Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy and I am your host. And if I sound a little bit tired, it's probably because it has been a crazy day so far. We're going to talk today about this month's inflation report. Last month, the title of uh, our report was, Are We There Yet? And the answer has been, and as of today, continues to be, nope. Uh, We are not yet there. Today, we got a new high in year-on-year core CPI. Um, And uh, and I'll talk about this in a a moment. But, um, you know, my surprise for the first part of this inflation debacle, uh, probably the first 80% of it, it, it surprised a lot of economists, but I generally was not surprised. I generally thought that the expectations going into most of the numbers was too low. And so when we, we got upside surprises, um, I wasn't terribly shocked. I, sometimes I was surprised at where the pressure came from. But the fact that we were over the expectations of most economists wasn't a surprise to me. The last couple of reports, that's changed a bit because I really thought going into today that the expectations, which were already a little bit lower than than we've been seeing from sort of the the natural run rate, I thought they they might still be a little bit too high and I thought that we might have a a, a little bit of a surprise on the downside. So I've been surprised now for a couple couple of turns. Um, And the reasons that I was surprised, and we'll get into this, um, are aren't crazy one-offs. You know, if you if um, if if you miss a if you miss something that's a uh, really out of left field, then you don't feel too bad. It's like, well, nobody saw that coming. But the things that led to today's upside miss are the things which have sort of been the risk, and uh, and things that I kind of thought were were at least in, in one case, uh, uh, perhaps peaking and, and, and haven't. So um, anyway, let's, let's get into it. Um, the consensus going into, into today's figure were for a headline number of 0.21% month on month, which would bring the annual rate to 809. <laughs> 809. And a, uh, the consensus for core was for 0.43% month on month, bringing the the year on year to 6.52. And again, I thought that was a little high. And I thought part of the reason was that um, our models have suggested that rent uh, rent growth ought to be leveling out, not that we should be having lower, you know, necessarily lower rent inflation, but that it shouldn't keep accelerating. And, uh, and I thought that last month might have been, you know, a little bit too high, a little bit uh, beyond trend, and so we would get a little bit of a retracement. And I also uh, knew, and this is, of course, in the number for everybody, but we knew that used cars was going to be weak. Um, although the overall price of used cars isn't isn't going back to anywhere close to what it used to be, the rate of change has gone down. And in fact, used car prices have been declining ever so gently uh, recently over the last couple of months. But we sort of all knew that, and that was kind of baked into the cake. But I, I kind of thought that the rent thing might be, I thought people might be getting a little bit overexcited about that. Um, you know, I, I did think that, you know, clearly the market as a whole has been giving the Federal Reserve a great deal of credibility over the last 
over the last month, um, you know, break evens, inflation break evens have were down over the month uh, quite a bit. And in fact, longer term break evens are floating around two and a quarter percent, which basically says that, you know, so over the next 10 years, if inflation comes in higher than two and a quarter percent on average, then you'll do better off holding tips. That's what break evens, what that break even means. And so that essentially said that people were willing to put their money uh, on on the idea that that inflation is going to come right back down to the Fed's target and they they've, they're going to stick the landing. And that's especially shocking when you know we're going to have inflation at least over the next six to 12 months, if not longer, that's going to be higher than five. And so if you think about then what the remainder has to be, clearly people, you know, the market was pricing as if the Fed has already won, um, which which didn't make sense even if we started to see a deceleration now. It just, um, you know, the idea that inflation is ever going to go, I won't say ever, the idea that inflation is going to go back to 2% in any sort of reasonable time frame is, is, is a little bit weird. Um, it's very unlikely. Um, but having said that, I've, I've heard in the last couple of days, I've heard people talking about how, you know, deflation is right around the corner because the Fed's overdoing it. We're going to get deflation. Folks, if when, infl- if when inflation is at 8%, you're worried about deflation, that's a, a psychosis. That's a psychosis and you need to get professional help. Um, there's, there's no reason to suspect that there is anything that looks remotely in deflationary, deflation-like in the, in the system, and, and you just need to let it go. Um, but so anyway, if you do think that there is a, that inflation is going to be low, if you think there's a chance of deflation, well, I got news for you that, that, that's already in the price. So you're not going to make a lot of money betting on that. In fact, if you think that this inflation might persist longer than the, you know, eight more months that it's projected to by a lot of economists, then in fact, if you think inflation is going to just stay at four or five, then you can make an awful lot of money by doing very, very simple trades because the market is priced as if there's no chance that that's going to happen. It's rather absurd market pricing. Again, market pricing isn't it, it isn't necessarily the expectations of of, uh, of market participants. It's where risk clears, and for whatever reason, that's where risk is clearing. So. Uh, if you have exposure to higher inflation, uh, I would suggest to you that there are very, very inexpensive ways to go get exposure that that will cover that risk. Um, if if in fact you're wrong and inflation turns out to be to be higher, um, and today inflation was higher, so inflation again core expectation the the consensus expectation was for 0.43, and we actually got 0.58. That pushes the year-on-year on core to 6.63%, which is a new high. You know, we keep looking for these peaks, and and, exp- and we get a peak, and then we expect deceleration after that, and we get it for a couple months, and then we reach a new peak, and we just this keeps happening. Median inflation came in at 0.67, which was lower than the crazy number we got last month, but the year-on-year went to, I mean, it, that was still the third largest month-on-month reading in you know, since the early '80s, and year-on-year inflation, year-on-year, year-on-year median inflation went to 6.98 percent, almost seven percent. 
again, I always say that median is, is just so much easier to watch. It's so much more well-behaved. And, and that number has accelerated every month since July 2021. It has just, it's very, very steady accelerating and it hasn't stopped accelerating. At some point here, it's going to, uh, but it, it, at this point anyway, we're still printing numbers that, you know, at, at 0.67%, um, you're looking at, we're doing, let's see, uh, you're looking at a better than 8% rate month on month. So if we just kept getting that, you'd, you'd, median inflation would still end up above 8%. So, so we still need to see some ebbing and we haven't seen that yet. Are we there yet? Nope. So on the breakdown, there are a couple of things that are, are I guess, worth looking at. Um, the first thing on the good side is that apparel fell. Uh, uh, the apparel sub-index was down 0.29% month on month. And, and that's just sort of emblematic of, of core goods. And we've sort of known that that was going to happen or something like that was going to happen, whether or not it was apparel or not, because the strong dollar uh, operates in that way. The strong dollar makes import goods cheaper. Apparel is classically an import good. And so as the dollar is strong, we get the, the lagged effects of the strong dollar. And as ports clear up a little bit and some of the other supply chain issues start to clear up a little bit, you know, not that they're uh, in in terrific shape, but as they start to clear up a little bit, you'd expect core goods prices to start to to uh, decelerate and in some places, some cases, decline. But then we go to core services. So you have core goods and core, so you have food and energy, and anything outside of that is core. And that core breaks into core goods, which I've just talked about. That's things like apparel and used cars and things like that. Uh, and core services. And so in core services, you know, that that was up 6.65% year on year with, uh, and, and a lot of what course, a lot of what is in core services are, is rent of shelter, um, both primary rents, you, you, you rent your apartment and owner's equivalent rent. Uh, primary rents were up 0.84% on the month and 7.2% year over, over year. Owner's equivalent rent was up 0.81% month on month and 6.7% year on year. Um, those numbers surprised me. I did not think that that we would get additional acceleration in those rent numbers, um, and we did, and that's one of the reasons that we had an upside surprise today. Um, so core services is rents, and then it's and then it's core services less rents, okay? So you have rents and non-rents in the services sector. And so, and that was what I sort of keyed on last year and going into this report. Core services less rents is where you find uh, things like uh, hospital services and doctor services and and other household services, um, food away from home, things like that. Those are services that... um, uh, which is where you would start to see any wage price spiral, right? So increased wages, uh, cost of wages doesn't really affect apparel costs because we import apparel. Um, but it does af- affect the, the, uh, the cost of, of a hospital stay. It does affect the cost of food away from home. And so core services less rent of shelter came in at 6.62% year on year. 
And notice that that's the same as shelter. So for a while, that section, the core services sector, has been driven by this rise in rents. And we've, we saw the rise in rents coming, right? Because we saw home prices going bananas. After the eviction moratorium, there was some catch-up on rents. And so this has been really easy to see that that was going to happen. Core services X rents catching up with rents, that is something that was, was difficult to foresee. And, uh, and it is a, a bad development. Um, I'll give you... I'll give you sort of one sector here and and sort of and sort of explain why we care about this. So within the food category, we have food at home and food away from home. Food at home obviously are, are groceries. You buy groceries, um, which are sometimes they're they're raw vegetables, but a lot of times it's processed food, and and that number has been going up very rapidly, uh, over thirteen percent recently. And this month, it it decelerated to to 12.98% year-on-year, which is still high, but only 0.6% month-on-month, which is like a seven, seven and a quarter annualized rate. And so it's starting to decelerate a little bit. Um, And we see that in the raw commodities markets. We do see some some ebbing there. But food away from home was up 0.94% month on month. So that's like a, you know, 11 or 12% annualized pace. When that pushed the year on year up to 8.48%. And that's accelerating. That was at 4% middle of last year. Okay, so we're up over 8%. And if you look at the chart, it's just accelerating, accelerating, accelerating. And the reason that matters is that food away from home is, is classically where you see wage pressures. Um, because a big part of providing a a table service to somebody is paying for the wait staff, paying for the cooks in the back. Yes, you still have to you have to buy the groceries, but you're actually fairly removed from the commodity side of thing, of the thing. You're really providing uh, a lot of that is actually just labor, and so and so that is disturbing. Be- and and what it essentially says is, and and the big concern here is that the longer that inflation went on, the the more likely that it ends up sort of feeding back in uh, to to the system because you have high inflation for a year and then it you know it's high enough for long enough that that people uh, you know the wage slaves like me have to go and uh, and argue for higher wages and then that goes and it feeds back into the into the cost of that of that provided good. Um, so, so if that's happening, and that's sort of the the place we'd see it happening, then that's that's concerning because it adds a lot of momentum. Um, I've I've said for a long time rents have a lot of momentum, and so if you know where rents uh, are going, then then you'll get most of CPI right. But the second most momentum comes from from core services X rents, and and moreover, that's where you can get a feedback loop. There's not much of a feedback loop in rents, but there's a feedback loop in core services. Um, X rents. So something to be very concerned about. And we've now seen it a couple of months going on. And, and so it's something to, to really keep an eye on. So overall conclusions, um, this number was obviously worse than expected. Um, it was worth on, worse on the headline. It was worth, worse on core than expected. It was worse on um, median than expected, sticky, everything. 
um, and, and markets immediately reacted with harsh, harsh sell-off. Um, as the day has gone on, that harsh sell-off has been entirely reversed, uh, which makes very little sense to me, but looking at intraday wiggles never does tend to make a whole lot of sense. But the number was worse than expected. Second part of the conclusion, which I just spoke about, is where those parts of the economy where wages play an, imper- an important role are starting to see inflation percolate more. And so you're getting this feedback loop. That's a salient point because in the FOMC minutes that just came out yesterday, that was one of the topics that they raised was that they hadn't yet seen any evidence of wage, of wage price spiral. Well, we're starting to see evidence of a wage price spiral. So that's something for the uh, the Fed to think about. I would say that this number today seals 75 basis points at the next Fed meeting. They're going to hike 75. I thought going in that if we got something even a little softer than the consensus, if we got a 0.3 on core, that the Fed might might only do 50, start tapering a little bit earlier, since there is some concern that uh, that maybe they've they uh, might have gone too far, or they might be getting at least close to where they need to be, given how markets had had been reacting recently. And if you could sort of slow your roll a little bit and and uh, take your foot off the throat of the market, that would probably be welcome. Uh, but with today's data, that's just not going to happen. There's no chance they'll do a hundred because they're not they're not um, you know if if we were at one percent. Uh, funds rate, and uh, and we got we had this many bad numbers. Then I'd say, yeah, okay, hundred is possible. But by the Fed's assessing, they're close to the terminal rate that they want to get to, and so cranking another hundred here would be a very strong statement that they think they're way off. Uh, and I don't think that they think that they're way off. So seventy five is what we're going to get. The Consensus had sort of been that we were going to ha- then have a 50 basis points at the next meeting and then 25 and then they were going to be done. And we'll just have to sort of wait and see whether what other data we get. You know, at 75 basis points a meeting, it v- very rapidly we would get an extremely high funds number. And at some point, they really do have to slow down and just pause and see what happens. Um, and And we are starting to see evidence that certain parts of the economy are slowing down. We're seeing some layoffs. Um, and uh, the prices haven't reacted yet, but and we haven't seen the unemployment rate go up, but but there are starting to be some cracks, and so there there is an argument to to slow down the the road a little bit. Um, this number today possibly though does change the terminal rate. Maybe it's not seventy five fifty twenty five. Maybe it's seventy five fifty and fifty and fifty and stop. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It will depend a lot on the, the future inflation numbers, of course. Um, the, uh, the fact that we have higher wages in the economy is, is you know, I said there's no feedback loop with rents. Um, and, that's, and that's sort of true because rents don't cause higher, higher wages. But the fact that we're getting higher wages in the economy does support higher rent growth. Um, one of the things when you're looking at at home prices and, and rents, you know, typically a way to model rent inflation is to say it's about an 18-month lag on home price appreciation. And that works pretty well. And by that measure, we should be kind of starting to peak roughly now. 
um, in terms of the, the rate of change of, of rents. Um, but, you know, if you, when you're doing those studies and you're looking at, at home prices, you're looking at rents, that's, that relationship is based on the last, you know, 20-something years when inflation was low and stable. But home prices um, incorporate, you know, they, they do incorporate sort of in regular inflation as well as impounding rents. And so if the overall level of inflation is higher, that relationship between rents and, and home prices might not be as stable, which is to say that uh, we would expect rents to decline ordinarily, but but you know, given that home prices are are decelerating, but if wage growth is up at seven percent, uh, then that does support rents going up something in that neighborhood. It doesn't, you know, the the real price of rent in in terms of hours of of work needed to rent an apartment hasn't changed very much, and so that's something to keep in mind, and something to watch going forward, and something that could keep rent growth higher for longer than we would otherwise expect just looking at the asset of the home price. Um, you know, I said that the longer inflation lasts, the more likely it is to feed back in through wages. Um, and and there are, are some automatic ways that that happens that, that you need to be aware of. So, for example, on the basis of today's number and, and obviously the other inflation numbers we've had, the... Um, Social Security increase was set for next year. And so if uh, retirees uh, will get an 8.7% raise to their payments, to the Social Security payments in 2023. Um, you know, so that does a couple of things. One is it means that a, uh, uh, a large part of the economy just saw an 8% pay raise for or an almost 9% pay raise um, automatically. They didn't have to go in and argue for it. They automatically got 9% more, more money next year. That also increases the deficit. So one of the things, if you want to get inflation down, you, know, you want to start trimming your deficit and, um, and trimming money supply growth. We've, we've trimmed money supply growth, but the deficit just got lots wider because we have a big jump to Social Security next year. Um, I guess the last point is that, and I, I've said this before, the market has not previously really challenged the Fed um, to stop tightening. In the past tightening cycles over the last 20 years that we've seen, typically the Fed starts to tighten and then the market, you know, loses its its stuff and and starts to drop and gets a little sloppy and the Fed loses its nerve and and stops and starts to ease. And in fact, back when the Fed first started tightening, that was my position. I thought that the Fed would get 50, 75, maybe 100 basis points of tightening and then the stock market would drop like a stone. People would freak out and that would be that. Um, but the bond market has has and the stock market has sort of let the Fed be aggressive without getting sloppy. The Fed doesn't care about lower asset prices that much as long as they're, you know, as it's not sloppy, as long as the asset prices gradually adjust, not suddenly. 
And and so up to now, the the markets have been up to about the last month or so. Markets have been pretty relaxed and tame, um, and and that looks like it's starting to change. But we, in any event, we're coming up to the point where, at some point, there's going to be a, a rebellion in the market, and um, and and it's going to happen before inflation numbers are aggressively dropping. And so the Fed is at some point going to have a Hobson's choice, which they haven't had yet. Uh, but at some point, they're going to be presented with the decision, not about whether we should support the the jobs market. You know, we've got unemployment going up. You know, should we support that or should we, you know, work on inflation? You know, not not those two parts of their mandate at odds. But But, you know, do we continue to fight inflation or – are we going to cause some really bad structural problems? Are we going to, you know, put you know some big hedge fund uh, out of business, which causes ripples throughout the market, and you know the stock market drops five percent in a, in a day, that sort of thing? We're seeing that sort of problem in the UK right now, where, um, you know, the sort of the 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 legacy of actions by the Bank of England and and uh, and Parliament um, have have led to things suddenly and abruptly and dramatically breaking, and the Fed doesn't want to have something like that happen. And so, at some point, when it looks like something like that might be on the verge of happening, my suspicion is on that day the Fed decides that they've done enough and it's time to wait and see about inflation. Uh, we haven't had that situation yet. Um, it's you never know how close how close that situation is to happening. It might happen tomorrow. It might happen in two months. It might not happen at all. It usually does happen when the Fed is tightening. Usually, eventually, something cracks up. So um, I don't know what it's going to be, but I expect it's going to happen at some point. In the meantime, we wait for inflation to peak on its own. And uh, we haven't gotten it yet. And and as I, I said, there are there are, are enough things now that are adding momentum that um, that is a little scary. Uh, my my forecast continues to be for core inflation to end 2022 uh, somewhere in the sixes. I thought it was going to be the low sixes. It might look it might be the high sixes, uh, and to be in the fives for 2023. So we've got a ways ways to go uh, before we see a lot of great progress on inflation. Um, I, we keep thinking that we've seen a peak and maybe today was the peak, but, um, it's, there's, there's a lot of show me built up. We're going to have to see a lot more positive evidence before we all get comfortable that this is past. I mean, every, everybody has made the prediction that we're, that we've peaked. Everyone has made that prediction at least once. Everyone has been wrong at least once. And so we're, we're going to have to become increasingly skeptical as things go on. Anyway, it was a very exciting and interesting report today. They, I look forward to the day when they're not so exciting anymore. Um, but uh, it, it uh, that's probably not going to happen this year. We're probably going to keep having exciting reports all through 2022 and, and probably into 2023. But I appreciate that you come here to hear what I have to say about these exciting markets. 
that's all we're going to talk about today. That's all for today's podcast. If you if you want to, you have other questions, if there's something I didn't cover, you can contact me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com or follow the blog at inflationguy.blog. You can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. Visit Enduring Investments, especially if you have the question about how you should defend your money. Because if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy. <laughs>